Maurice Chevalier. What is he indeed? Um, well, he's a comic singer and actor, I've learned. No. And, um, he has a very goofy energy about him. I know yeah. that. It's the energy, I think, that makes him baffle me. Is what is he is he meaning to gross us out? No, because they wouldn't really want that in a musical comedy. But he's certainly not arousing. <laughs> uh, he he is an enigma to me because I just can't figure out where he fits in the scheme of things. I don't mean just in movie history. I mean in, in the, general. In general. Yeah, I can get that. Um, this is so weird. I I would not have suspected that I was the one between the two of us who was a little bit more forgiving of Marie Chevalier, but here we are. Well, I mean... I mean, I he's not my cup of tea, but I guess I could see it if I were a person of that time to... Uh, he was very different, I guess. Yeah, and he had that accent. I think accent is like a good... A, a good 60% of his appeal back then. Maybe French just equaled sexy to people back then, no matter so. what the package was. And he just went for it. Yeah. And these days, just it just kind of sounds like Pepe Le Pew. Right. Right. And Pepe Le Pew also struggled with some consent issues in his yeah. material. So um, really. He's not as bad as Pepe Le Pew. He's. Isn't he, though? I mean... No, I think he was... In this movie, he's willingly cheating on his wife with another person who's willing to cheat on theirs. That's true. But uh, I guess we better get things started here. Um, hello, everyone, and welcome to Come Back a Star. My name is Jason. I'm a very confused Laura. And uh, let's see. Today we have... Episode number 030, The Big 30. Oh, yeah, we made it. One hour with you. We are watching every Best Picture winner and nominee from 1927 onwards. And I have completely changed the order in which we usually say that. Yeah. So today it's Come Back a Star, a movie award tryst. A movie award tryst, uh, triangle, uh, hopefully by the end of it. Uh, an equally balanced open marriage of a podcast. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah, so one hour with you, our third venture into Maurice Chevalier territory uh, and our second into Jeanette McDonald. Yes, and I will say for this, on the one hand, it's the most different of the Marie Chevalier movies we've seen. It follows a slightly different pattern from a, a soldier kind of caught in royal intrigues. But it's also, I think, probably the worst we've seen so far. Oh, really? You think it's the worst? I mean, it's the most offensive to me personally. Well, I don't know. That's Then again, I was, I was also, you know, pretty offended by um, the, uh, not the Smiling Lieutenant. What was the first one we did? Um, with some... Uh the love parade. The love parade. Um, but it was still just, I don't know. I think my patience wears thin for the Chevalier uh, vehicles. And this I, is just a lot of Chevalier. Yeah, I think you're just probably getting tired of Chevalier. I, I thought am. I thought this one was actually not great. I thought that the songs were a little bit more swingy. A little bit. I mean, I think, you know, the more the 30s gum went along, the more swing kind of came in. And that kind of... Made things a little peppier on the music scale for white movies. <laughs> but. Right, right. And um, while this movie is still sexist, I felt like it wasn't quite to the level of women are stupid. I guess. I mean, it did kind of portray them as, uh, you know, feather brained idiots who are over either overly possessive of their men and it's stupid and silly or just uh, backstabbing sluts. So I don't know. I have far less of a, a forgiving of this as a whole. Uh, you're probably right, but we'll get into it. We'll discuss it and, oh. and learn. And learn and rate. We got categories we do, right? Yeah. So what we do on this podcast is that we are going to cover the plot of the movie and give our own little observations as we go along. And after all of that, we are going to rate the movie on various categories, including 
acting, writing, cinematography, and overall how those things work together. And then we're going to give the movie a chance for some bonus points with uh, categories like costumes and set, mm-hmm. boldness, legacy, longevity, and technical. Yeah, sounds about right. Should we jump right into it? Yeah, let's learn about One Hour With You, starring Leisha Valier and Jeanette McDonald. A musical farce that frequently breaks the fourth wall, another way in which I feel like it's starkly different from the other two. That's true. Ernst Lubitsch's One Hour With You opens yet again in Paris, where a group of police officers prepare to break up tourist neckers in the park, now that spring is coming. I I guess that's a thing for Paris? I mean, I think it was, you know, the whole mythology of Paris at this time. You know, in spring, the lovers come and they eat baguettes and (laughs) suck each other's faces. Um, It reminds me a little bit of the opening of Animal Crackers in Marx Brothers, in which the butlers all stand around and sing about what they're about to do in preparation. It was just kind of like a little little bit of a place setting. But um, I have to rewatch that one. I can't remember it as well. Yeah, as I I should. (laughs) Well, Um, you know, Coconuts was a bit of a uh, was their first sound picture and not the best. So many consider Animal Crackers really where they started to get their groove. But that is about the Marx Brothers. And unfortunately, I don't think any of their movies were ever nominated. The Duck Soup definitely should have been. Yes. So we'll have to create a side Marx Brothers podcast one of these days. Yeah. Whenever whenever that year comes along, I would not be adverse to uh, covering Duck Soup. We should. I think that's 35. So let's keep that in mind. The only couple that doesn't clear out when the police uh, break the couples up in the park is Maurice Chevalier's Dr. André Bertier and Jeanette McDonald's Colette, who turns out to be Mrs. Bertier. Twist. The cop is dumbfounded that there was a married couple necking in the park. Yet in an aside to the audience before joining his wife in bed. That's right. They actually share a bed, which was rare even in pre-code movies. Oh. Andre assures us that they are indeed married and happily so. Colette tells him in bed that tomorrow her best friend Mitzi is joining them for lunch. Mitzi is a name we're going to hear a lot. Absolutely. We're going to hear the word Mitzi quite a bit in this movie. (laughs) Uh, She is sung about. She is talked about. She is um, she is the poochie of uh, she really is. And you, in fact, said at one point uh, something about wanting to get to the fireworks factory. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, yeah. Whenever Mitzi's not on stage, everyone's asking, where's where's Mitzi? Mitzi? Soon the word loses all meaning to you. You hear it so much. Okay, so Mitzi, played by Genevieve Tobin, is married far less happily to Professor Olivier, played by Ronald, oh, excuse me, not Ronald, Roland Young. Yeah, what did you think about him? I actually enjoyed him the most, I think. He's this weird little character, played very weirdly, but in a way I feel like that just fit. And I thought he played well against uh, uh, Chevalier, who seemed like a little creeped out by him, like in a good way. Yeah, I thought he filled the part well um i felt like the part was really bizarre to Mm -hmm. have in a comedy yeah he's like this just this he obviously just hates his wife but he's not a very emotive guy um he just he's weird but i like him yeah he is weird and he is surrounded by people who i think appropriately are hamming it up yeah so his kind of like subdued kind of creepy Mm -hmm. um menacing sort of a persona it it's just weird to have in the movie but i think he's just playing the part yeah i, I think the part is what the problem is is not his performance you see the my problem is with this movie is the potential is there to be the best of the chevalier bunch but then like yeah the sexual politics just get in the way for me but i feel like there are a lot of good little like side characters and bit parts that really kind of shine through um but yeah, I, I feel like one of the biggest issues with this is that it's trying to make a comedy of a situation that isn't that comedic. Yeah. And I felt that way about the other two movies, too. It's just like they try to play for laughs stuff that is, you know, actually heartbreaking for the female characters. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So anyways, that's a little off balance. So we meet Professor Olivier. Yes, and Olivier is so fed up with Mitzi's gallivanting ways that he hires a detective to find evidence of her infidelity. They they watch out the window as Mitzi leaves and insists on joining an already engaged taxi that has Andre, uh, you know, surprisingly enough, who obliges. From the window, it looks very much like the two are in a tryst. 
So it just so happens that uh, Andre has this cab that is outside of, I guess, Mitzi's residence. And she just kind of like goes off in this cab with him Um, just because, you know, Andre is nice, I guess. Yeah, I mean. Or, or, ma- or maybe he's already like falling for the pretty face of Mitzi. Yeah, Genevieve Tobin is, uh, you know, attractive, blonde, and, you know, flirty. So, I mean, she's a woman, so she's Marie Chevalier's type. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mitzi tries flirting with Andre in the cab, but he rebuffs her, telling her that he's married. She informs him of her husband's doings and how, it, since it looks like she's cheating with him, they might as well. Andre is tempted by this, but flees the taxi at the last minute. Yet, of course, he sees her again at lunch, where he grows more and more awkward as Mitzi and his wife tease him. I think that's kind of the best part, though, when um, uh, Jeanette McDonald and uh, Mitzi are like whispering to each other and he's just standing there awkward. And you assume they're whispering like really naughty things about him to each other. But then uh, 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 Colette goes, oh, honey. I just told her you can do an owl. Look like an owl. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, it was. That was a pretty good. Bit. It was pretty like, yeah, I mean, these these I am very harsh on these movies, but they do have some very good golden little nuggets like that. And it's fun to see Marie Chevalier embarrassed. It It makes them all the more frustrating because I do feel like Chevalier does have a comic energy and the people around him, too have a comic energy that could be harnessed for good. Yes. And instead they're given material that like sometimes hits the mark very occasionally, but for the most part, it just, it's just kind of like, isn't it funny that he's French? Right. And I mean, it is, you know, French people are hilarious, (laughs) but uh, yeah. So later on, Andre and Colette plan a dinner party. Before the guests arrive, Andre notices that Mitzi's place setting is next to his. In an effort to avoid temptation, he switches her name out for one Mademoiselle Martel. Colette catches him and becomes paranoid that her husband has a crush on Mademoiselle Martel. She confides this to Mitzi when she arrives, and Mitzi only encourages the misunderstanding. In fact, she even switches back the place setting so Colette sees Mademoiselle Martel sitting by Colette's clueless husband. So yeah, Mitzi's a jerk. Yeah, Mitzi is not a good person. Um, That's another thing that kind of complicates this quote unquote comedy is that um, a lot of the people just aren't good. And I'm not talking about like, oh, they had a tryst bad. I'm talking about like that is that is malevolence right there. Yeah, she's like enjoying her friend's jealousy and knowing she's pulling one over on her. And uh yeah, that's what I mean by kind of like very uh, cardboard cutout female characters. You're either hand wringing and sad like Jeanette McDonald or you're a scheming slut like Mitzi. Point, point taken, Laura. But uh, you know what? You can be both. You can be a hand wringing in tears while also being a scheming slut. We are out there and we are proud. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> During the dance, Colette is in despair watching her husband dance with Mademoiselle Martel, but is pleased when Mitzi cuts in. Uh, later, on the van- veranda alone with Andre, Mitzi comes on strong and unties Andre's tie, and this becomes a whole bit. Because Andre, even though he's a grown man and a doctor, does not know how to tie a tie and doesn't want Colette to see him in that state, he follows a teasing Mitzi into the garden, and they make out. Because why not? Yeah, that follows. And, oh gosh, that was frustrating me the whole time. It's like, A, that he doesn't know how to tie his own tie and, like, clearly depends on his wife or some nearby woman to tie his tie for him. Which, by the way, like, women can wear bow ties. It's fine. And they probably did often enough in the 30s. But uh, it's it's traditionally a, a, a male form of dress to wear a bow tie. Well, you know. And uh, also, I kept thinking and... You know, I don't know if I said it out loud, but it was kind of in my head, at least screaming at the screen. Just go ask your wife to retie your tie if you can't do it. Like, she's not going to get upset that your tie came undone. Oh, but how did it become undone? How? How? I I, I guess I feel like it's contrived. It's very contrived. But, you know, that's the byword for musical farces. Lots of the lots of times no one ever just sits down and talks to each other because that would be too easy. 
Um, So Colette goes out in the garden in search of him, pursued by Andre's best friend, Adolf, played by Charles Ruggles, who's madly infatuated with Colette. His character was strange and not entirely welcome. No, he he was not cool. Um, He was a a little bit... A little bit of salty, a little bit of a pest. Creepily obsessed with McDonald's character. Um, I guess Charles Ruggles was in the last two vehicles. Uh, he was, I think, um, Chevalier's uh, manservant in a Love Parade. And he played some minor character in um, uh, The Smiling Lieutenant. I think- too bad, because I remember him in Love Parade doing a lot of slapstick that was... I think it's oh, the same okay. guy. Yeah, uh, but now he's... <laughs> he really does bring it. It's kind of funny because he seems like a realistic depiction of a creep in a movie where that just seems a little a little too intense. But once again, played for laughs, but uh, madly infatuated with Colette and Andre. Andre hears his wife calling him and flees with his tie still untied. And Colette is heartbroken to observe Mademoiselle Martel tying it for him. So despite all his stupid machinations, Andre still confirms that or confirms Colette's suspicions about him and Mademoiselle Martel. Yeah, and he's not good either because he's confirming these suspicions based off of wanting to be with Colette. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't actually know either what's he, going on. He doesn't know. And I do admire that they never make Chevalier try to seem like a genius. Like he straight up calls himself a coward and he's obviously befuddled by all this. But it's also strange. Like he's a doctor. He's the most unbelievable film doctor I've ever seen. He does not. He doesn't carry around a medical bag. <laughs> um, it's 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 strange. Yeah. At some point, um, Mitzi says like, oh, I'm sick. You better call the doctor. Oh, and yeah, he arrives. You, you see him leave and he doesn't have a medicine bag, but he like produces medicine out of his coat pocket or something like that when he actually visits Mitzi. And it's all it's all very confusing. Like my my impression was that, you know, doctors did make house calls back then and they carried around medicine bags. It's blowing my mind that he didn't do that. He might be a bit of a doctor feel good. Probably not licensed. (laughs) (laughs) Like he calls himself a doctor, but he basically just like has people come and visit him in his house and he talks his goofy talk to him and gives him a couple pills and they leave feeling groovy. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so moving on with the plot as the guests leave, Mitzi tells Andre to meet her in 15 minutes in a cab outside. Andre is uncertain when he goes to his bedroom. Colette is crying and berates him over Mademoiselle Martel. He tries to explain, but when she violently tells him to go, he leaves for Mitzi's cab. See, it's Colette's fault. She should have been a better wife. Yeah, um, he. Is it prior to this or just afterward or something like that when he's kind of like struggling with whether or not he's going to go with Mitzi? He sings a song about Mitzi and Colette. And uh, that's where we hear the word Mitzi like 3,000 times oh, in a single that's song. Oh, Mitzi, because yes, he loves Colette. He adores her. But oh, that Mitzi. Oh, that Mitzi. Um, and it, he's clearly like tempted by the prospect and everything like that. But then when his wife is like clearly upset, that's when he decides to go. And so his decision to kind of go, you kind of get the sense that it, it was kind of on him to begin with. Like he was basically like looking for a reason to, to not sleep at home at night. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So uncool. Um, Colette instantly regrets her actions and runs after him only to find Adolf waiting for her in the dark. Again, like, creepy. like a creep, like yeah. a creep. He's going to kill her. Uh, Adolf confesses his love and kisses her twice. At first, Colette is very angry and distraught, but then lets him down gently and ties his tie for him. And they get married and give the middle finger to Marie Chevalier. No, no, no. That that would be a bad ending as well. That would be. That would be settling for Adolf. That would be settling for Adolf and she would probably end up murdered. Um, so, the next morning, Andre arrives back at home after his tryst. Um, he finds Colette having had a nightmare And when she awakes, she frames her encounter with Adolf as a dream. Professor Olivier arrives to visit Andre and grill him about his activities with Mitzi. 
Professor Olivier, reminding everyone, is the husband of the, the weird little husband that I really like. <laughs> yeah, he has he has a sense of menace about him that, again, uh, I, I'm going to repeat this again. It it just didn't really fit with the comic plot because the comic plot doesn't the comedic value of the of the movie does not fit with the rather like sordid plot that they put into it. And it strikes me now that I think about it as maybe just a very kind of like French way of like there are all these dark moments that could be portrayed like really dramatically. What if we dressed it up as a fun like musical comedy? That would be kind of ironic. So maybe that's what's going on. I I feel about Maurice Chevalier and his movies. I don't know if you've ever seen much community, but the episode where uh, Abed tries to figure out if Nicolas Cage is a good actor or a bad actor, and it slowly drives him insane trying to figure it out. And that's kind of where I am. Are these like secretly brilliant movies or is this just about a bunch of creeps being creepy together and they try to play it off as cute when it's not? And is that part of its secret brilliance? What's going on? What are you, Marie Chevalier? Sorry. It's, I'm sorry. I keep. I am French. That's what I am. Oh, well, there you go. And I have the accent. Yes, the accent of Ruby. All right. So Colette enters at the end of the meeting between Professor Olivier and Andre and concludes that something is wrong with the Olivier marriage and tries guessing who the other fellow is, much to Andre's embarrassment. And it's an example of how you're right. There's nobody in this movie who's exactly a good person because, you know, at this point, you know, Colette doesn't know that Mitzi's been sleeping with her husband, still thinks they're best friends. And yet she is over the moon giddy and excited over the idea that her friend's marriage is failing and tries to guess like who the lover is. Yeah, well, and also she knows all of Mitzi's lovers is a thing, too. So she knows that that this is something that Mitzi does. And she's kind of like tickled pink by the uh, by the the naughtiness of it all, I think. And it's important to know that all these people seem to be very rich. And it's another example of how it's not particularly good for your moral health to be that rich. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you end up very comfortable hurt. hurting people around you. Perfectly. But yes. Well, later, Olivier serves Andre a subpoena to appear as witness in the Olivier's divorce trial. Andre has no choice and is forced to admit the truth to Colette who is in shock that her husband and best friend betrayed her. Although, you know, like, again, Colette, you're kind of, you were, t- uh, I just, everybody in this. Yeah. Is. It it also, just at that point, mirrors the room. Oh my God, it does. Remember, yeah, it's really. It's my best friend. My best friend, everybody betrays me. I'm so sick of this world. But just imagine it like sung in an operatic soprano and you have this movie. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> Um, hoping to get back at Andre, Colette proudly admits that her encounter with Adolf was real, not a dream. And this is a part that really enrages me. Andre, who has a low opinion of Adolf's appeal, thinks she's lying. When Adolf, who has been hovering outside for a while, is dragged in by Colette, he actually follows Andre's silent lead, who nods and winks and confirms everything she says. And uh, Colette decides to forgive Andre and he, her, because as they tell the audience, they're crazy about each other. And it's important to note that Andre does not believe that uh, Adolf and Colette kissed. Yeah, he he wants her to admit a a um, similar uh, indiscretion. So. So he can forgive her, even though he thinks that it's not real. And then, you know, it's kind of a a tit for tat thing. And then they can kind of equal each other out. But the thing is, you know, if if he actually thought that it was real, it would be a totally different story. It'd be, again, kind of like the divorce, say. Right. That was one movie that we just talked about it kind of mirroring and the divorce being a very intense that was like the appropriate tone for something right, like that. Right, like, right. This is not. And I mean, the fact, you know, that they're able to end happily, like, I guess we're just, you know, uh, non-monogamous goofballs who love each other. It's like, but that's only because Andre thinks you're lying, Colette. If he thought you actually had been like seeing somebody behind his back, I don't think our cheerful Marie Chevalier character would be uh, that pleasant of a fellow about it. Honestly, I think there might be. Forgive me, a bit of a double standard there. Yeah, probably. 
probably that's kind of what ruins it. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> if if they if the flirtation with Adolf was real, for example, a Adolf wouldn't be so creepy. Right. And B, it would be a little bit more acceptable as a farce. Yes. Um, very cosi fan tutte sort of situation where it's just like, uh oh, well, she's cheating on him and he's cheating on her, but they do actually like each other. So, oh my, what are they going to do? And everyone comes out looking not great, but just like as a flawed comedic human being. It's like <sighs> a man like Andre wants an open marriage, but only for him. Um, he's like, why can't you be more chill about it, babe? But he would not be chill. So it's just, it's one of these things where it would be fine if well, they both just, if they both realize that the, uh, that like, if they both agreed on an we, open we, marriage. We don't know if he wouldn't be chill or not. Oh, he just he doesn't have, he doesn't have an, an opportunity to uh, express that because he doesn't believe the kiss happened. I promise you he would not be chill. Men like this are never chill about like if it's the other way around, especially back then. And I mean, because there's a reason they portray it this way. And it's not just for the comedy. It's because it would not be manly. I mean, he might he might That's be a true. coward in this, but it would be too much for a guy to be OK with his wife sleeping around. But it sure would be cool if she was cool with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a point. Um, so I'm a bitter hag is what it all comes down to. And I hate everyone in this movie, <laughs> but it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what's what's also really frustrating and this is where I really am in step with you is that their relationship, Colette and Andre's relationship at the start of the movie seems so nice. I know they're like really into each other. They like, you know, they're uh you know, in a few years, we're going to see Thin Man. And uh, it's like you hope that's what they're going for. Like Nick and Nora's relationship was like the most popular marriage in movies for a reason because they had mm -hmm. fun together. They liked each other and they just goofed around. And it's like this is how it starts out. But then they just decide it would be so fun and charming to. Thin yeah, Nora. it's like. Yeah, they they disrupt this really nice relationship and leave the audience feeling like, oh, that's not nice. It but at the very crazy. end, it's kind of like, ha, 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 ha. It's like uh, they, they cross a the line by actually having him cheat on her, I think. Yeah. If if they hadn't, if they had him tempted and. Yeah. Um, or just constantly look like he's like cheating. Because, I mean, that's the thing in farces you see all the time is like one spouse thinks the other's cheating on, on them because the like hilarious circumstances always make it look like it. Like, look at every Woodhouse novel ever written. Right, right. But it crosses that line when it turns out, no, yeah, he's totally boning her. I mean, it's more realistic, sure, but not particularly fun to watch. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, but we've we've kind of sliced and diced the plot a little bit here. Yeah. Um, do you want to go into rating it now? Let's do it. Okay, so first category up would be acting. Hmm. So hard to tell. Um, there's no it's real not, acting involved, honestly. It's a lot of mugging. Yeah, I, well, I mean, again, like I've said for all these Chevalier movies, I think, um, that's kind of appropriate for what the material they're going for is. But at the same time, like, I'm going to put the blame for a lot of the weirdness in this movie squarely on the material rather than on the acting, even though the two just they, they don't jibe with each other. Right. Um, and and you can imagine without the songs and the uh, the mugging, this would be a very different movie. Yeah, it would be um, it would be the divorcee and feeling and everything like that. Yeah. So but I. Given the songs, I don't think that was what they were going. And so therefore, mm -hmm. I'm going to give the acting myself. I think I'm going to give it a six. I'm going to give it a five, kind of straight down the middle. Um, you know, Chevalier is really good in the moments where, like, he's embarrassed. And, uh, and you know, he's OK in some moments. And I like I feel like McDonald has a few really funny moments. Oh, God, her singing. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, overall, it was just mostly this wasn't a film that was going to win 
you know, wasn't out to win any like big dramatic acting awards. I mean, it was I mean, Genevieve Tobin was basically just there to be hot, hot slut. Um, you know, honestly, probably one of the more intense performances was Charles Ruggles as Adolf. And I think he did a good job with the creep. It just seemed kind of out of place. Yeah. So yeah. Just, him, yeah. Him and in the professor. Yeah. Yeah. Roland Young. I like that. Like they're probably my favorite. So but yeah, down straight down the middle five. Yeah, they're they're good. They're also kind of in a different movie. Yeah. Yeah. I would have liked in, to spend more sense. time with them, honestly. Well, maybe not with Adolf. He'd murder me, but. The professor might too. They both kind of give off serial killer vibes. Yeah, yeah. They, they'd murder you, but for different reasons. Yeah, good point. One's obsessed with you and one wants to punish you for, for cheating on him with Adolf. Oh my God. Now this is the, the draw, this tight psychological mm. drama we need. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next, the next category is writing, which I've already said I feel like is the main problem here. I'm going to um, give it a three. Three. It's not good. I mean, no, some of the yeah little character bits throughout are cute, but overall, it just I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this stupid movie. <laughs> yeah, I w- I'm actually going to match your three. Okay. Um, I feel like just for all the same reasons, it's it really just kind of undermines your idea of having a comedic movie yeah. when the plot itself is kind of serious yeah. and there isn't enough like lightheartedness to to pull it off Mm-mm. Mm-mm. i mean you know jeanette mcdonald in a way was a little too good in that she's very convincing in the moments where she's heartbroken it's like yeah, that's not it's like, funny that's, that's like not, i don't enjoy that like that's sad and since we know that it's a correct reason to be sad it's not funny yeah again like you said if it had been like a, a comedic misunderstanding then then yeah that's comedy you there are plenty of comedies about people cheating on each other or believing each other cheating, but uh, this just actually happens and we're just supposed to laugh about it. Yeah, it's like, I'm not really in the mood, thanks. I hurt her feelings, la 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 la. 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 She's heartbroken, she wants to die. <laughs> Women! <laughs> but now we like each other. Now we like each other, it's fine, I'm French. <laughs> Okay, so our next category up is cinematography. Uh, I didn't really notice. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice anything particularly good or bad. It was serviceable. I mean, it was okay. I mean, maybe in the early park sequence, there were some pretty okay shots. I guess I'll give another five straight down the middle. Yeah, I, I was thinking too, it, it works, but there's no, there's no magic. I guess people claim that it has the quote Lubitsch touch, but... I mean, so far, I mean, I, I've known I've seen the other Lubitsch movies, but so far I'm not totally impressed by his style or anything or his material that he chooses. I mean, may, maybe just don't have a trained eye. I don't yeah, I just true. I don't notice it. It's I'm I guess I'm more used to the something warranting a name like the Lubitsch touch to be a little bit more out there and impressive. Exactly. All right. Overall, how well does the acting, writing, cinematography work together? I'm going to be mean and give it a four. Give it a four? Yeah. It just... I mean, I feel like such a crank. Like, because I know... Because I get the feeling Chevalier doesn't mean bad. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. We've already mentioned this, but he... He does have a comedic energy that comes out sometimes that is really good, I think. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, this kind of like befuddled Bertie Wooster type thing that he has going on. Like a horny Bertie Wooster. A yeah. horny French Bertie Wooster. It, it, it could work, but he just doesn't get the material that he needs for that persona to really work. And it's kind of like they're afraid to make him too goofy. And the thing is, is that all, that's all he has. Yeah. Is goofy. Is goofy. And I mean, I just, I wish they didn't reward him. Like, I feel like a lot of this would be redeemed if like, like Jeanette McDonald just kind of shrugs and walks off on him and he kind of shrugs to the camera like, c'est la vie, I guess I'm alone. And that, I feel like that would be appropriate. Yeah. And the thing is, is that that wouldn't stop it from being a comedic movie because Mm -mm. it, it's still just funny. Still just funny. But I do feel like I've read that 
Chevalier did have a bit of an ego when it came to the ladies. And, and um, like, he was going to play uh, the, like, Gene Kelly's rival in American in Paris in the 50s, but his character doesn't get the girl in that. So it ended up going to somebody else. So I wonder if that has a lot to do with it, too, if it comes down to ego. But that's mere speculation on my part, besmirching the character of Marie Chevalier. Yeah, so you're giving it a four for overall. I think I'm going to match your four. It's not dreadfully below average, but I feel like it was just uh, an experiment that didn't work out. I I think we are, if we were going to enjoy these movies, we're not watching them the right way one after the other like this because it's just, it's it's too much value. Okay, so going into the bonus rounds. The, the, the bonus rounds. One hour with you has 35 points. Not great. Not great. Not great at all. Um, so our first chance for bonus points would be the costumes and set. I'll give it a four. I wasn't as dazzled by the uh, ladies' outfits as I have been. Like, I mean, we're coming off Shanghai Express, which mm-hmm. had just the greatest outfits ever uh but you know they, they, they were still 1930s cute and i was pretty yeah. impressed by the sets like yeah like these, these yeah. nice rich people homes these are nice <laughs> insane surreal rich people art deco 30s houses were were pretty fun and the garden set and the park and everything was pretty yeah. pretty lush so you know and, and people good. were dressed luxuriously for the uh for the uh, house party for the house party yeah gotta give them credit for that and uh not to be too matchy matchy but i'm gonna match your four as well Um, so let's see, that would be up to a 43. Well, good job. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good, good for you. Uh, (laughs) One hour with you. Our next chance for bonus points is boldness. What kind of risks do they take and how do they work out? I'm going to say they take risks. It is risque and it doesn't work out. Yeah. So this is going to be tough. This is going to be tough because I was have, right when you were saying that, I was like thinking the exact same thing. Uh, it was pretty bold, I think, to actually have the male lead cheat on his intended and pretty bold to just have that be how it is without anyone learning any kind of lessons. But it does not pay off because I just felt kind of dirty and icky afterwards. Yeah, and not not a comedy. Let's give it a two. That that was exactly what I was going to give it. <laughs> so we are really in in step today. We got we got the Borg brain going on. I wonder how the Borg would react to Marie Chevalier movies. Oh man! Try to assimilate that, you guys. Marie Chevalier disabsorbed by the Borg. <laughs> I all, think the Borg- all of his knowledge and technology would belong to them. <laughs> Oh my God, they would seduce every Starfleet lady in sight. As long as they were from the 30s. As long as they were from the 30s. Okay, so up next, another category I don't think it's going to do great in Legacy. Yeah, I'm not going to give it any. Like, what the heck? Yeah, I don't think that it influenced much of anything. I feel uh, failed experiment is really the word Mm -hmm. that I'm going to, the the title I'm going to give this movie. I mean, it's just one of several... Uh, Chevalier, McDonald, Lubitsch movies. And this one is slightly more different in its formula than the other two, but they're all basically the same movie with the same characters, just <laughs> dips by like slightly different situations. And it's not like they're, you know, particularly well remembered or cherished today. So yeah, no legacy. I just don't get it. Yeah. The, uh, the love parade got some points for kicking that off. Mm-hmm. I gave The Smiling Lieutenant actually probably too many points. I gave it three just because I thought it was another musical comedy with like big, big, luxurious sets and costumes that I felt like, oh, that that probably influenced movies afterwards. But this one, again, I watched it and I thought like no one's going to want to copy that. No one wants to watch that. No, exactly. Nobody wants to watch Chewbacca die. <laughs> Kids are going to like it. Uh, yeah, I feel like of the Chevalier vehicles, the one I feel the best about is Smiling Lieutenant because it does have as like kind of sort of female solidarity where both women are kind of respectful of each other in the end. And uh, I mean, it's still screwed up sexually and all that. But this, it's just like, it's just 
a gross celebration of men taking advantage of women's trust. And it's okay because women are shallow and silly. Yeah. And they're also predatory, apparently. Yeah. Some are. Others are useless. (laughs) Oh, oh my. Oh, Lewich, Maurice. Tisk tisk. Tisk tisk. Longevity. How well does this movie stand up over time? You know what? I'm going to give it another dang zero. It, I just can't see any modern audience really taking to this, frankly. I mean, you're like the actual song One Hour With You, whether dance were there during the dance scene. You're right. It is kind of a charming tune, um, kind of sticks in your mind a little bit more than the songs from the previous two movies. But it, it's not really worth the price of admission to just see and hear that. It's not that good. So I just I just yeah, I don't think it stands up very well. They were of their time, these movies, very much of their time. Now, and that's fine. I want your opinion on this. I am tempted to give it a point or two Whoa. because I did give that to um, to the love parade. And I feel like the love parade was a lot more offensive in a sexist way than than this one. I don't know if I'd say more, but just a totally different way. Yeah, you know? I guess it is a different way. But I mean, I almost want to give it a one just for not being as bad as it could be. I guess that's fair. You know, why not? Um, But at the same time, again, failed experiment. I can't see people being like, oh, boy, let's watch that again. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm going to give it a zero. Okay, let's, you know, Um, they're all dead. Their feelings aren't going to get hurt. Yeah, well, I wasn't worried about that, but... Oh, I know you were. <laughs> I I was worried about balancing it out with with all the other Mary Chevalier movies, and that's the problem with getting so many of the same movie over and over mm-hmm. and over again is that I keep wanting to just go back and base, base my yeah, scores off like, of what happened previously. Pretty much could, because they're the same movies. <laughs> Okay. Just, just do. It should be like the like. How offended are you from one to ten by like the various gender politics within this movie? That's really the. Yeah, yeah. There are definitely worse ones out there, but this is not great. Not great. Tonally, just off. So, I guess there are worse ones out there, but they're also not comedies. I feel like yeah. making it a comedy makes it worse. I mean, the divorce they really. You know, the more I watch movies like this, the more I appreciate the divorcee for mm-hmm. taking this seriously and giving a uh, voice to both sides of the equation here. And they do reconcile, but it's very much. But he apologizes at the end. He apologizes. And, you know, they you get the feeling that they're going to go forward as equal partners. Whereas I just don't get that feeling here. No, you really don't. Um, you You do kind of get the sensation that he's learned nothing. No, yeah, he's absolutely learned nothing, and he got everything he wanted without having to atone at all. There, there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so last chance for bonus points, guys. It's the technical round. Okay, I'll be a little kind here, I guess, and give it a four. I mean, you know, pretty good sound quality for the songs, although I can never understand Jeanette McDonald when she sings. It's too high of a little trilling register. Um, honestly, don't have her sing too often. <laughs> um, even though she's the one who's the most classically trained, probably. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think technically it's works out just fine. I am going to match your four. Okay. Um, and we both gave the smiling lieutenant a five and i now looking back again it's impossible to not look back yeah first of all it's right here on the same page and they're right next to each other more (laughs) or less um and i feel like they're about the same in terms well smiling lieutenant had some more like outdoor at least soundstage shots that were probably a little bit technical um, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's fair to give it a little more. There, there seem to be more extras involved and all of that. So I think we're being fair. Okay, so that gives One Hour With You a total of 55, which, which puts it just ahead of Cimarron. Interesting. And actually way behind The Smiling Lieutenant, which got an 82. 
wow, that's see what, you know, when you give female characters like some kind of semblance of agency and character development, you uh, end up getting a higher score. And that puts it in comparison to the Love Parade. Love Parade got a 77. So our order for the Marisha Valley movies so far, I don't know if there are any more. Oh, the Smiling Lieutenant, The Love Parade, and lastly, One Hour With You. Yeah. So... You feel that's about right? I feel like that's about right. Um, oh, okay. So some of the trivia I found out, apparently it was filmed simultaneously in French. Uh, oh, so hmm, that uh, is interesting. I would be kind of neat to see a few scenes. Apparently, uh, McDonald still played her part. Apparently, she was fluent in French. Um, French actress Lily Demita ended up playing Mitzi, though. Um I, uh, once again, like every other Chevalier movie we've done so far, Best Picture was the only Oscar it was nominated for. <laughs> so, wow. And I think we m- must have watched, You did you notice, you know, when we were watching throughout this, uh, every once in a while, the image would cut out. Right. I think we might have missed some scenes because when I looked it up on Wikipedia, part of the plot description was uh, Dr. Bruchier is very popular with his female patients, but never fools around because he's married to Colette until he meets Mitzi. Well, we didn't really see him with any of his female patients other than Mitzi, right? No, we didn't. But I'm wondering if that's just kind of a description of the movie that doesn't match the movie could which can be, happen sometimes could be, yeah i think i think the image cutting out for us was more of a technical difficulty could be but it could be that just in that print maybe some little scenes were taken out but so yeah that not a whole lot of other uh trivia for this one um there were just so many lubitsch chevalier vehicles we haven't even seen the one that i had seen a while ago which i think was love me tonight which also had mcdonald's in it so who maybe that'll be on our on the plate for next year yeah or this year apparently we could just cram in all the chevalier movies at once why not yeah i really do wonder if we'll see him again i haven't looked ahead we will be for in the 60s when we get to the 60s he's in Gigi, which did win that year so He's singing. There we go. An old man singing in the park about how much he loves little girls. No, that's wit. That's wit. That's framing it wrong. Film historians will get really mad at me. He's saying thank heaven for little girls because they grow into sexy grown women. So it's fine. Okay, that's weird. It is still. weird. Gigi's a weird, weird movie. All right, but we have rated this movie, giving it a total of fifty-five, giving it the bottom of the Chevalier movies, which none of which we have given are not Skernod too, mm-hmm. but we still have to ask the question, is this worthy for a nomination of the Notsker and movie award podcast movie award for movies? Wouldn't it be funny if we did like <laughs> just, just for the heck of it, despite everything, but no, no, I'm not going to give it a Notsker nom. Yeah, no, sorry. Um, you know, I do feel in, like in some parallel universe, there is a Marie Chevalier Jeanette McDonald movie that would get one, but we have yet to see it. They have yet to produce a movie that wasn't sexist in some way or another. Mm -hmm. They just don't. Again, I keep feeling it's like he's, he's a French horny birdie booster, like you said, and they don't use that to its maximum effect. I mean, that really only works if he like gets called out, I mean, and doesn't always get his way. Otherwise it's just. Right. It'd be hilarious if he ended up in some sort of goofy, difficult situation. And, you know, maybe that's the point. Like it's funny because, you know, in real life, this guy would never get anywhere, but let's just film his little inner fantasy for a bit and let him get everything he wants. And that's funny, but it's, it's not my flavor of funny, I guess. Yeah, and this one in particular just uh, just doesn't sit well. No, and yeah, I mean, uh, even this one doesn't really work as a male fantasy because, like, why, why, if you love your wife, would you want to betray her and kind of get away with it? I mean, and but not, but not really, and just kind of feel like that awkward wedge between you for your entire life. I, I don't know. It, I think there was just in some circles in France, but in other places, it was just kind of seen as an okay way to be and a macho right. way to be. 
And which, you know, it can be if you agree to that. Yeah. <laughs> which they certainly didn't. And people's feelings were hurt. People's feelings were hurt. And what do you think? Like, oh, well, maybe they're going towards the direction of having an open marriage. It's definitely have isn't because he assumes that she's only pretending to do that and would not be OK if she really was. So, yeah, that's one hour with you. Um and our episode didn't even take an hour. It, it, our Chevalier episodes are our shortest, I we, think. We didn't spend one hour with one hour with you? No, we didn't spend an hour with it. Well, that's why that's why we didn't fall in love, I guess. I guess, yeah, if we just hung on for another 10 minutes, maybe we'd we'd fall into Chevalier's arms and let him do whatever he wanted. But as it is, I'm done with him. <laughs> Let's well, he is gonna come up back. Yeah. Again, in the 60s, I guess. And probably before that, too. Let's be real. Okay, so no Notsker nomination for one hour with you. Um, thank you for listening to us, everybody. Yes, thank you, everybody. If you have enjoyed this, uh, this little listening, why don't you share it with your friends Do and it. leave us a review on iTunes if you would like. That would be really helpful uh, to promote us. And... Uh, you can contact us on the Twitter. Do it. Do it. Twitter is a is a chaotic place that needs even more chaos shared amongst itself. And you can do that at Come Back a Star. And you can also email us if you're old fashioned, I guess. Yeah. Um, at Come Back a Star podcast at Gmail dot com. And let's see. Is there anything else that we need to share? Um, if you're a doctor, please carry a bag with you to uh your patients homes because it just it's even if you only have like candy in there it's just reassuring to people when doctors actually have medical bags with them yeah instead of like carrying a series of pills in your pocket or something like that you can keep the pork pie hat though that's a cool look oh absolutely all right everyone we're shutting off this projector drawing the curtains and Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye.